This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. So no matter where you go in Mississippi, a friendly face is close by that can point you to a local and welcoming fishing spot. As one of the many recreational outdoor activities Mississippi offers, fishing does have rules and regulations that everyone observes, so we'll stay safe and we can preserve nature's waterways. Today we welcome Jerry Brown from the Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. He'll talk about fishing spots around the state and answer questions about fishing regulations. Also, Dr. Major here, ready to take some pet questions. To join the conversation, just give us a phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 or you can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Always like to remind you that if you miss the Creature Comforts broadcast on Thursday, it repeats every Saturday mornings at 6. So good morning. Hope that everyone is doing well this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Libby, you had a, a vacation uh, from the show. Glad to have you back. Uh, but And I understand, I think from my saw Facebook post, you were in a, a, a different part of the country enjoying kind of a different kind of weather. <laughs> yes, it was It was a, a little shock when I had breakfast on my porch this morning. It was different weather from Oregon, but... Their their morning their summer mornings are unbelievably comfortable. So that part is really nice, and got to do a lot of. Um, went to the coast and played there, and then went to the mountains a little bit too. So lots of fun. But I'm glad to be home. But also while you were gone, you were mm-hmm. still helping us out. I saw that you had an uh-huh. email exchange uh, with a listener, and uh, it was trying to identify a snake, I think it was. Yeah, that is something that you miss in Oregon. I didn't see many snakes <laughs> out there, and I always see a snake at my place. Uh, yeah, she had a, a really a nice listener that um, understood the value of rat snakes. She knew okay. they were kitchen or mice and rats, but she didn't like that he was also eating her eggs. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, she had some good ideas of her own, and we kind of came up with some things that might work with her rat. And uh, he was, she had a great picture of him right there among the chicken eggs, and he was had a couple of bulges there, so he had enjoyed some eggs. Uh, but that is a reminder. We can always try to help you identify things or if you need assistance with uh, creatures you see in your area. But it does always help that uh, you send in a picture as well. I think most people these days have a phone that's able to take a picture. So if you can take a picture of whatever you're trying to identify or need help with, uh, that certainly helps us help you. Uh, do you have any events to share? I don't right now, okay. other than that I know the dinosaurs are still going on at the museum. Oh, and I guess I will mention, though... Um, Tomorrow, July the 19th, is Fanny Cook's birthday. We've talked okay. about her, and so we're having a birthday party at the Natural Science Museum at 10 o'clock. And right. then Kathy does her presentation at 11 there. So there's always something fun to do over there. All right. Very good. Uh, here is an email uh, that says, I have a flat coat retriever. Never heard of that, but that's interesting. Around 10 years old, we cook ground beef or ground turkey and mix pinto beans with it. She gets an allergy shot every few months for itching skin. My wife says that if she, the dog, eats dog food, she has terrible gas. We originally started cooking because of itching, 
and it seems to get better at the time. Uh, are we okay doing this, or should we be feeding dog food? It would be much easier than cooking, and they say they appreciate the show. Well, you know, I have a lot of people, uh, clients, that cook for their, their dogs, especially very few people can cook for the cat. Uh, cats are strange creatures anyway, so... Uh, I say that tongue-in-cheek because some cats will eat anything. Uh, others, you can try everything. I've had people who said they have like 10 different kinds of foods and the cat will not eat any of them. Anyway, as far as what they're doing, I would say uh, supplement with a good vitamin. Uh, there's no reason if a dog is doing well on this diet uh, that that should be okay. Uh, but I would. it's hard to have a completely balanced diet with just the meat and beans, but that's if you figure it out, it's not a bad combination for us. I think I remember last week on our All Pet Show that we had a guy who called in and said he started cooking for his dog, and then when he tried to switch back to dog food, the dog had gotten spoiled and wouldn't eat the dog food. Um, it, are dogs maybe more likely than cats to eventually, if you keep putting out the dog food, say, hey, you win, I'm going to eat this dog food? Generally, they will. When they get hungry enough, they will, and you don't want to starve them. But uh, it sounds like this dog pretty well was in control uh, of what he was doing. But, yes, uh, they they will eventually eat their dog food. Or maybe to uh, start to transition. You know? Right. I would, I would try to mix it together when you transition out uh, rather than just cold turkey because a lot of times they'll say, hey, I'm on strike. I want, I want the good <laughs> stuff. So. I, I would say that uh, mixing it would be a great idea. I've heard that, uh, too, if you uh, switch uh, litter with on your cat, that as opposed to just all of a sudden pouring in a new thing, of, but to eventually do the same thing where you uh, gradually switch from one to the other so they don't think it's too much of a, of a, of a hassle there. All right, uh, we have an early phone call on the line, so we're going to say good morning to Gary, who is called in from Holly Springs. Gary, good you're on morning. the air with us. Go ahead. Good morning there. Yeah, I've got a couple of questions first off what's the record brim in mississippi and at what age do you no longer need a fishing license oh the record i know the record red ear which was caught at tippa county lake up near ripley was 3.33 pounds i will have to look up the record for the bluegill uh, Oh, okay. but, but I know yeah, I, I know the red ear uh, pretty good because it's one of our our state fishing lakes, so we're kind of proud of having that record. And the the age that you no longer need a license is uh, uh, is age sixty five. Okay, well I'm good on that then. It's May, so <laughs> yeah. I, Congratulations. I, I live at, I live at uh, Lake Center. If you know where that's at, I have caught a two and a half pound red ear out of there. So we've got some big ones in that lake. Yeah, they get they get big and a lot of fun to catch. And there's a lot of beneficial snakes. I've got a black speckled king snake been living in my yard for 10 years. He's about six foot now. I mean, now he's about eight foot now. He's big. <laughs> wow. That's a big one. Well, I yeah. appreciate you taking care of him. Oh, I do. I catch him when I see him and play with him a little bit and turn him loose under my shed. So. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's great. Where he stays, so. Thanks, Gary. All right, Gary. Thanks for your call. Good to hear from you. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We're going to be talking about fishing spots uh, and fishing regulations today. If you have a question for our guest or if you have a question for Dr. Major, you can give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 672 
888-346-7464, or you can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Oh, I forgot my uh, exciting information to share that I've shared with the folks here in studio this morning is went to Memphis uh, last week to the zoo. Great zoo, by the way. If you like zoos, I think Memphis is probably one of the best in the southeast for sure. Huge zoo. Uh, that w- They really have large uh, enclosures for the animals, a lot of room for them to walk around. Uh, but uh, also went to Ikea for the first time. Uh, there's one in Memphis. And I bought a cat toy that my cat actually likes to play with. So I was so excited that, because uh, it was a little reluctant, but it was not very, it was less than $10, so I thought, okay, I'll give it a try. Uh, and it's a little tunnel that he runs through, so he seems to enjoy that. Although, as I said earlier, I did kind of cheat in that I seeded it with some cat treats of the first couple of times, and he quickly went in there to get those, so now he seems to enjoy playing with it. So that certainly was a first for me. So, uh Okay. Uh, Our guest today is Jerry Brown from the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. Uh, Jerry, thanks for joining us on the show. And if you would, uh, tell us a bit about your background and some of your duties at the Wildlife Department. Well, I'm originally from down in southwest Mississippi in Amit County, but I'm living up closer to Jackson now. I was a fisheries biologist for years. I've been with the agency since 1997. I started out as a lake manager at one of our state fishing lakes, and uh, after completing my master's, I became a fisheries biologist for oh, over 10 years, and now I work at the main office. I'm over the uh, state lake program, which we have 20 state fishing lakes in Mississippi from up north, like I mentioned, Tippa, uh, near Ripley, almost Tennessee, all the way down to Beaumont, Mississippi, down in uh, southeast part of the state. So that's kind of my primary duties now is overseeing those lakes. Okay. Uh, have you always been a fisherman? I have. I started. I started young. I grew up on a, a family farm down on the Homochitta River, and we had a, about a one acre, one and a half acre pond. And my grandmother loved to fish, and we had a, a pastor at that time, and his wife had a little green beetle, and we would all load up, ride down <laughs> to the pond, and and uh, you know, and sit down there and fish. So I, I kind of credit her for getting me started in fishing. So. All right. Uh, We need to take a break. We'll be visiting with Jerry throughout the hour, and also we've got a call on the line, so lots going on here on Creature Comforts. If you'd like to join our conversation with your phone call, the number's 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. We'll be back with more after this, so stay tuned. MPBonline.org is the destination for everything Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Catch up on past shows from Think Radio, check out MPB TV or Music Radio, and become a sustaining member all from one place. Get connected now at MPBonline.org. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. And today we're talking fishing around the state with Jerry Brown from the Mississippi Department of wildlife fisheries and parks if you want to join the conversation with a question or a comment call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring it's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. or you can email the show send it to animals at mpbonline.org let's go to the phone lines again and uh, shirley has joined us from starkville good morning shirley you're on the air with us good morning thank you for your show sure uh, yeah i called um I guess it was near the end of last month about a, a bird's nest that was in um, a tabletop fountain uh, on my patio. And 
uh, the little bird was um, obviously um, hungry, and so I fed him, and I was concerned that I had intervened, uh, you know, in the in his life, and that yes. his mother or father wouldn't come back. Well, I, the uh, the mama or daddy bird came back and fed him, and uh, so he has now flown away. And I felt very good about that. Um, and um, I also mentioned a hummingbird that yes. I have not seen any. Yes. So I have been visited by my hummer. Oh, great. <laughs> so, oh, surely. So I, am a, I am a happy camper right now. <laughs> and uh, I'm just so glad uh, that I'm not living next door to that. Uh, your caller who has the eight-foot-long snake. Uh, <laughs> I love wildlife, but I'm definitely afraid of snakes. So, <laughs> well, we'll work on that next. Yeah, so you've helped <laughs> fledge a baby bird, and you've attracted your hummingbird. You may get some more hummingbirds, too. Let's hope so. Is it just a single one right now, or do you have a pair? Yep, uh, just one right one. now. In the past, I've had at least two, uh, and I, I have three feeders. Uh-huh. So, um, and it seems that in the past they have come a little bit closer to the fall. So I'm hoping um, that, uh, and, and I'm finally uh, getting a chance to actually sit and watch them come because I'm now retired. So Good, good. Well, I hope that you get many more then. Maybe spring, um, fall migration, you may really um, luck out there and get some hummers. All right, Charlie, we appreciate your call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We've got some open phone lines. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, we're talking all things fishing around the state with our guest, Jerry Brown, from the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. Dr. Major here, ready to take some pet questions. And we always like to hear what you've been seeing in your yard, your brushes with wildlife, as it were. So give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464, you can send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. So, Jerry, we want to talk about great places to fish around the state, but first let's uh, make sure that everybody understands what they need to have with them to be legal uh, if they're fishing in Mississippi. So if you would talk a little bit about that, please. Sure. Uh, Someone asked, the first caller asked, uh, what age do they not have to buy a license anymore? So uh, ages 16 through 64 or the ages for resident uh, anglers that will need a fishing license if you're going to fish public waters in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. The uh, farm ponds, small ponds, like I mentioned at home, is an exception. Uh, if you own the property there, you can fish your pond without a license. If you're going to be fishing at one of our state lakes or one of our state park lakes or even up at the Corps of Engineers or some other lakes, you may need a, a lake permit, a fishing permit, in addition to a license. So it's always important to check where you're going uh, to see what rules and regulations may apply. Now, if you're going to be fishing from a boat, there are certain uh, boating safety items that you will need, such as life jacket for each individual on the boat, in the boat. And uh, children ages 12 and under, they must have a life jacket on at all times while the boat is in motion, uh, unless it's maybe tied up. So, you know, those type things. Uh, there's other criteria that you can go to our website and look at for boats. Um, 
if they're over a certain length, they may need fire extinguishers, noise-making device, a horn or a whistle, and things like that. Okay. <clears throat> um, so where do you where do you go to get a fishing license? You can get those at uh, any of our offices, any of our state lake offices, our state park offices, our regional offices, or here in Jackson, our main office. But you can also get these at Walmart in the sporting goods section, at, at section, and at most of your bait and tackle. Uh, they may sell licenses as well. But you can also always get it online at uh, mdwfp.com. You can go to licensing and purchase it there as well. Okay. And you mentioned the permits, again, that uh, that sent there are some that are required, some aren't. Uh, it would be a good idea, as you mentioned, to call ahead. And if, if you needed a permit, I imagine you could pay for that, get that as you arrive at the, at the area. That's correct. Uh, at our state lakes and our state parks, you can go in and purchase those at the managers there at their office. If they're not, we have an honor box system. When they're not present, you can go ahead and put your money in an envelope and write your name on it, put it in the box. Okay. And um, <clears throat> I think we mentioned this before on the air, but I always like to repeat because I think it's important. Uh, the money from fishing and hunting licenses goes back in to help preserve Mississippi's natural resources, I believe. Tell that's, us about that. That's correct. Yes, so the, the, our, our agency is primarily funded on the on the sale of hunting and fishing licenses. So we, we certainly count on those dollars to help us manage the state's wildlife and fisheries resources, uh, helps pay for our, our, the employees and the work that they're doing out in the field with the research and different management things that we're doing. All right, we're going to be talking uh, to Jerry throughout the hour. If you have a question for him, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We've got another caller on the line. Our friend Kathleen from Osaka has called in. Good morning, Kathleen. Oh, good morning, guys. I'm just so happy it's not raining. <laughs> I saw the strangest thing yesterday. I'm sitting in my kitchen. Didn't have any of the, uh, as David Lodem would call it, the beverage. And I look out, and there's a turtle dropping outside the window. And I don't have a pond, and I'm looking around. So I go outside, and it was a little snapper, about three inches long, about almost as wide. And I'm, looking, I'm thinking the wire that goes from the house to the telephone pole is where the birds always sit. And I'm thinking, water high, maybe the turtle got misplaced or something. And a bird picked it up and helped it find a home. <laughs> I thought, I already put it back in the canal on the side and let it do what it needs to do. But uh, I wanted to give you an update on that. And uh, the frog that we talked about last year, Jemima, who won my heart, left a legacy. Another have another little frog. I seem to have lost Jemima. So we're going to call her Jerry, and she's spending the summer in the water trough with the other critters. And I wanted to ask your listeners and Dr. Troy, if y'all have found anything regulatory about that diatomaceous earth, it seems to be working. I don't really know how often to use it, so I'm only using it a couple days and wait a month. I don't know uh, the particulars about it, but... Uh, when someone wants $110 to worm a cat and I've got nine, I don't reckon I have an extra $1,000 laying around just to worm the cat. So um, if anybody knows or if you could check in that for me, you know I'll listen every week. So right. I'll let y'all go. Y'all have a good day. 
All right, uh, Kathleen, thanks. And uh, she was referring to using diatomaceous earth, I think, for flea uh, control. Yes. Uh, any any recommendations, Dr. Major, on how often to uh, to apply it? She was asking about regulatory. There's no regulations about it. But if it's working the way she's using it, normally you put it in the carpet, uh, vacuum. Uh, it will dehydrate the eggs and the larva, and that's how it works. Uh, I, there may be other things online that people are using it for, but that's what I'm familiar with. I, I'd say she needs to look closer. If she's really got intestinal worms, that's pretty excessive price right there for that. So tell her to come see me. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I, I'm joking. She can't load all her cats up and come yeah, see me. That's a long way to take yeah, nine I, cats. Yeah, I, I, I'm joking about that. But, uh, yes, if the diatomaceous earth is working in that way she's using it, I'd continue to do so. You know, also, I recently went to New Orleans to the zoo down there for a weekend trip, and I, I kind of knew where Osaka was generally, but really, that's pretty much the last part of Mississippi <laughs> you get to before you move into Louisiana. So, Absolutely. And, and I think she might have uh, spotted the rare climbing turtle, the tree climbing turtle that we <laughs> often speak about on here. Yeah, that's a that's a good story. I'd like to know that, that turtle's story, a little backstory well, on that one, Hal. Well, you guys always remember, I've said it once before on the thing, you know, Years ago in the 1800s, there was a frozen turtle that fell from the sky in Bovina, and apparently it had been picked up uh, in a water spout or tornado, whatever, went up, froze, and dropped down. I think it dropped down at a picnic. But it, <laughs> anyway, there, there, there wasn't a whole lot of ice around in those days anyway, but it was, it was, uh, there were some witnesses apparently that saw that. It's, it's in one of those strangest things that ever happened. <laughs> All right. I've got some calls to get to. Let's start again in Ashland. Jerry is on the line. Good morning, Jerry. Go ahead. Good morning. I want to say I listen to you guys all the time. I support you monthly, and I I hope all your other listeners do, too. You're well worth it. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm a disabled vet, and I'm a transplant from Louisiana. In in Louisiana, if you're 50% or more disabled, the fish and game people will will provide that uh, disabled veteran a uh, hunting and fishing license. Does Mississippi have a similar program? We offer a, a one hundred. If you're one hundred percent disabled, you do not have to buy a fishing license. So you would need a the letter from the um, Social Security office. I believe TPQY, I believe is the name is what it's called. Uh, but that is for uh, people that are one hundred percent disabled. And if you yep. have questions about the uh, military, I'm not. I'm not sure, but you can call our our office in Jackson and ask to speak with our licensing department. That number is 601-432-2400, and they can answer that question uh, for you. Well, that's, that's kind of a shame. I'll set the bar pretty high for a vet. You know, I'm not quite 100%, but anyway, thank you for your answer. All right, yes, Jerry, sir. thanks for the call. Uh, let's move on. We've got uh, next Bill calling in from Macomb. Good morning, Bill. You're on the air with us. Yes, sir. Uh, I have a 10-pound chapoo, and I was wondering how frequently you could bathe him without hurting his skin or anything. That's good. What's the hair look like on this dog? I mean, you said it's a chapoo? Yeah, he's white with uh, apricot ears. Right. How, how long is the hair? Right now, it's like about maybe two, three okay. inches. Okay. Keeping cut once a month. Right. I, I would go along with that. But 
I would, in general pr- practice, unless there's something wrong with the uh, something wrong with his skin, I would say no more than every two weeks as far as bathing. And okay. uh, actually, I would rather see you go just about once a month. Uh, and now, if some dogs if they go outside, they're going to roll in the mud and whatever else they can find. Yeah. And sometimes you have to do it a little bit more often. But too much bathing can be bad if there's now if there's a skin condition, uh, bacterial infection. Certainly, you may have much more frequent bathing, but uh, every two to four weeks would be about right. Okay. Thank you a lot. All right, Bill, thanks for your call. Um, what is a chapoo? I mean, obviously that's one of those crossbreed dogs, but poo is for poodle, I guess, right? He said 10 pounds, so I'm thinking maybe he was talking about a chihuahua poodle. Okay. Uh, chapoodle. Okay. At first I was thinking about a shepherd poodle, and then he's, you know, but then I realized <laughs> he had said 10 pounds. So I, It seems to me that a lot of these exotic things, they're always poodles involved is, is that true or am i just thinking crazy a lot of it a lot of it has to do with the fact that people don't like to have dogs that shed uh-huh. and poodle is one of those that does not and most of the uh mix uh, uh labradoodle or whatever mm-hmm. which are very popular right now most of those don't shed at the same time you have to have them sheared or trimmed fairly regularly because the hair can get quite long and can mat up. And then there's the snickerdoodle. No, wait, that's a cookie. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go ahead uh, and take another break. When we get back, we're kind of through talking about regulations. So we'll talk to Jerry about the types of fish that you can catch here in Mississippi and some of the best spots to fish in. If you'd like to join our conversation with your phone call, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464. You can also email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more after this. Have you been in this situation? You're listening to a great story on Think Radio in your vehicle, but now it's time to go inside. You want to keep listening, but you're ready to move on. What can you do? Pull up the MPB Public Media app on your phone while you're in the car. You can continue listening to that great MPB local show and not miss a moment. Search for the MPB Public Media app in your app store. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, the retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. We're visiting today with a state lake coordinator, Jerry Brown, from the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. If you'd like to join our conversation, you can uh, give us a phone call. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's one 877 672-7464 or send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Jerry's helping us learn more about the types of fish that you can catch in Mississippi, and we're also going to talk about some of the best spots to go fishing in the state. Uh, so, Jerry, what are some of the, the game fish that uh, are uh, popular and are caught a lot here in Mississippi? Uh, bass, crappie, uh all types of brim. There's a lot of different species of each of those those groups that are probably the the three most popular uh, types of game fish. Of course, bass. You've got largemouth bass uh, almost statewide or in statewide in waters. We have spotted bass. We have uh, smallmouth bass up in the northeast part of the state, like Pitwick and 
Uh, so those are very popular. And crappie, you got white crappie and black crappie, and we even have a magnolia crappie now. So, uh, but those are in most of the waters, very popular with anglers. And and of course, brown fishing, you got bluegill. Like we mentioned, I did look that up, Libby, on the on oh, the website, good. and that and that uh, record bluegill is three point four five pounds that was set in nineteen ninety five. So. If that listener's still listening, that uh, that's what the blue gear record is. So he is. needs to grow his a little bit yes. bigger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what what do you think the, the challenge of fishing is? I mean, are these are these difficult to reel in once you catch one, or I mean, is that part of the the excitement of game fishing? Well, it depends on how big the fish is, how hard it is to reel in. Uh, you know, if you fish in, say, creeks and streams or some lakes that's got a lot of structure, they may get wrapped around a limb or around a stump and I remember years ago I was watching uh, a Bill Dance show where he he had caught a bass but he couldn't get it out of the timber and he says just give it some slack he'll swim out so I've tried to remember that but I get <laughs> I get too excited when I'm pulling it in uh, and as part of your job with uh, the State Lakes Coordinator do you monitor the fish populations and, and do you do anything to make sure that that most of our lakes are, are well stocked with these fish that people like to fish for not really in my position any longer, uh, but as a biologist, I did, and that's what our fisheries biologists do. We have uh, fisheries biologists all over the state that that's routinely sample these lakes. They uh, they may conduct uh, what we call electrofishing or electric cricket. And go out. That's primarily the way we sample fish, usually in the fall. We also do what's called uh, krill surveys, where we're actually interviewing and talking to the anglers that are fishing to find out what are they fishing for and how long have they been fishing and what what did they catch and we also if they kept any fish we'll get sizes of that and that helps our biologists make management decisions on uh, going forward and whatever their goals are for the lake. So um, when it comes to best fishing spots, does it depend partially on what you're wanting to catch? It does. It definitely does. There's, there, there are lakes and streams that are known for, say, big bass or uh, big catfish. If you're, you know, Ross Barnett Reservoir is a great place to go catch large flatheads, uh, catfish. Uh, there's In the state lake system, we've got several that stand out for big bass, what we call trophy bass, those over, say, eight pounds. Uh, big brim or or even crappie so you it's kind of what you want to fish for uh what you're targeting if it's numbers or size and we try to have something for everybody uh we're visiting today with uh jerry brown from the mississippi department of wildlife fisheries and parks he's our guest today we're talking about where to go fishing and things that you might catch when you fish here in mississippi got some open phone lines if you have a question for jerry or if you would like to ask dr major a pet question you can give us a call the phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring it's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. So obviously, Jerry, when you go fishing, you need some equipment, and I thought we could talk maybe about three different kinds of things. Uh, first of all, if you have a young youngster that you want to kind of get involved and interested in fishing, what would you think would be the best kind of maybe starter pole or equipment to get a, a, a child as they get into fishing? Well, depending on age, if it's a young child, you know, I think most of us started with a cane pole. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't go wrong with that. But, you know, they make so many small uh, rod and reels now. you got pink ones for girls and blue ones for boys, <laughs> and you, you know, just Spider-Man to Barbie. So uh, <laughs> you, you can pick some of those. But like I said, a cane pole, you know, if you get some crickets or some worms and, can, and find, put them on some brim, you know, their attention span is going to be 
uh, small like loaves. So uh, you want to fit, you want to put them in a good spot. And typically, you can catch brim, and and a lot of times, size of the fish really doesn't matter uh, to a kid. So mm-hmm. you know, if you ha- if you have a pond, if you don't, you know, all of our most of our state parks and state lakes have ample bank access and fishing piers that you can take kids fishing. Uh, we also have, you know, youth fishing rodeos that parents can take their kids to the place where we've got catfish stocked. And, you know, you can't guarantee that they're going to bite, but we've increased the chances as best we can. So these are family-friendly events that we have for for kids. Also, I think it might help teach children the idea of patience that sometimes you don't get what you want right away you got to wait for it yeah and i think it's a tremendous help with kids to go ahead and clean those fish and let them eat them Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that you make that connection of where your food comes from all right uh what about maybe if it's an adult someone like me who has not been fishing a lot and i might be interested in fishing again what kind of starter equipment would be best for the the novice fisherman well, there's depending on what you're fishing for. If you're going to go fishing for, say, crappie, uh, there are numerous types of jig poles, and they're very simple uh, to fish with. Uh, rod and reels, if you're a bass fisherman, they can be stored out like a Zepco 33, which is a very easy uh, push the button and throw up to some of your bait casters, which might be a little more difficult to start out with because you got to learn how to uh, control your line speed so you don't what to call bird nest or bait lash, uh, things like that. Of course, you got fly fly fishing, and uh, there's all different types of uh, equipment that you can use depending on what you would like to do. But uh, All right, and then the, finally, if someone is an experienced fisherman, maybe could you give something, a piece of equipment, an upgrade that might make their fishing experience better? Well, we all like to upgrade. My, I, my, my wife picks on me a lot about that because every time I walk in Bass Pro, I want to upgrade. And, and I try to convince her that we you cannot have too much tackle. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, as a, we, we, we try to keep our reels and everything. It's, it's a good idea maybe once a year to, you know, during, during the wintertime when people aren't fishing a lot, take, the, take them out, put new, take the old line off, put new line on, take that opportunity to clean them. You can wash them right there in the sink and, uh, there's plenty of information online on how to clean a reel. You can oil it and grease it and have it ready. That way when you go fishing, you you know you're ready uh, at that time. All right, and I think you mentioned earlier 20 state uh, fishing lakes in Mississippi. That's correct. If you would, give us the names of some of maybe, you know, different parts of the state can kind of give us an overview of, this, of the fishing lakes. Sure. Up, up in the north part of the state, we've got uh, Tippa County Lake and Lake Lamar Bruce, which is uh, – in Saltilla, just north of Tupelo, we got Elvis Presley Lake uh, in Tupelo, and south of there we have Lake Monroe. Now, Lake Monroe and Lake Lamar Bruce were renovated in recent years, which means we drained the lake, did some work, filled it, and restocked it. And that's always a time that when we reopen a lake or one that's uh, is recently stocked, it's kind of exciting because the fish are growing, they're getting big, they're, they seem to bite more, and they get a lot of attention. And that's usually where we see some of our largest fish uh, caught as well. So in central Mississippi, popular lakes are calling Panther Lake down at Crystal Springs, Neshoba County Lake, Kemper County Lake over in the east part of the state, Simpson County Lake, which is right along Highway 49. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of these are, are popular. Then in south Mississippi, Lake Bill Waller and Lake Columbia, which is in Marion County. Uh, yesterday I was at Lake Perry, which is near Beaumont. It's a, it's a very nice, secluded 
uh, kind of out in the woods. Uh, about, I think it's 68 acres, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, very popular with brim fishermen. So uh, we also have uh, along Highway 84, we have Lake Jeff Davis, which is another lake that we renovated. And it's it's seen some really big bass caught from it. Uh, lake Mary Crawford is one I, I mentioned renovating lakes. It is closed right now. It's uh, near Monticello on Highway 84. But we have just stopped, restocked the fish after doing some work. And we plan to reopen that lake in 2021. So that'll be... That's one that there'll be lines of traffic trying to get in on that opening day because, you know, the, the fish have never seen a plastic worm or spinnerbait and they will bite anything. But so give them a few days, they start learning. But, uh, well, as you said earlier, then it's uh, anywhere in Mississippi, you, you're pretty close to a, a state lake. For yes, fishing. yes. We're, we're very fortunate, blessed here in Mississippi with plenty of places to fish and even even other state lakes where we have. Many state parks across the state that have lakes on them, such as Persequin, uh, different ones, Clarko State Park. Um, but we have ample amounts of public water and streams in Mississippi from the big reservoirs up in the northwest. You know, Grenada and Arctic Butler are very, very popular with big uh, three-pound crappie being caught up there. So people come from all over to fish those lakes. And then you've got a lot of oxbow lakes, which right now is affected by the flooding of the Mississippi River. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, those are very popular, like Eagle Lake and Shotard up toward Tunica and down, even Lake Mary down in Wilkinson County. So. Yeah, and you're right. You know, Simpson, like, you're right. It's right there on 49. I always want to go uh, down to Hattiesburg. like to drive by there and, and see that. Uh, we've got a caller on the line, and I think we had a question for you. It's uh, Sue from Beaumont. Sue, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Hi, I have a couple of questions. I'm, I wonder if you buy a license for fishing license. Does it cover freshwater and saltwater fishing? And also, I'm from Beaumont Lake. Perry is a beautiful, secluded lake. But I've heard that uh, it has alligators in it. People don't swim in it or anything. Is that true? Okay. What was what was the first the first question? There's a fishing license. Okay. Freshwater and saltwater fishing. No, ma'am. There there are two there are two separate licenses: a freshwater fishing license, and if you're going to be fishing saltwater, uh, you would need a saltwater license. Uh, Fishing. Above uh, I-10, you need a freshwater. If you're fishing below Highway 90, you need a saltwater, and either one will work in between. So I hope that, <laughs> I hope that answers your question there on that. Uh, yeah, like I said, I was at Lake Perry yesterday, and uh, it is a secluded, very nice getaway. It's got camping and a nice pavilion and, uh, and great brim fishing. That's what it's known for. But as far as alligators... That is South Mississippi. They are they are known in in pretty much all all lakes and waters, uh, especially in South Mississippi. But we do not have swimming in our state fishing lakes. Uh, we do offer skiing opportunities, uh, usually two days during the week and on major holidays at several lakes. So people can ski in in the designated areas, but no swimming. Okay. All right, Sue. Thanks for your call. Uh, let's take our final break this hour. We've got Martin on the line from Brandon who has a question. Martin, we'll get to your call right after this break. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 We'll be back with more after this.
Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. We're visiting today with Jerry Brown from the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. He's the state lake coordinator, so we've been talking about fishing opportunities in Mississippi's state lakes. Still a little bit of time to work in a phone call if you'd like to join the conversation. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. Back to the phone lines we go. As promised, we'll go to Martin and Brandon. Martin, thanks for holding on. You're up next, so go ahead. Yes, uh, thank you. Uh, I enjoy your program very much. I wanted to know about eating the fish out of the Ross Barnett Reservoir in the Pearl River. Whether it's safe to eat the fish? Yes, sir. Okay, I have not heard any... uh thing on Ross Barnett Reservoir, but that would be the Mississippi Department of Environmental Quality would be where to go to get that answer. They, uh, they're they the ones that usually put up the warnings that you may see on the Pearl River or, or even down on the coast when it pertains to any uh, environmental concerns or safety hazards with, with the water. All right, Martin. Uh, thank you very much. All right. Environmental quality. Yep. Yeah. Thanks for calling in. We've got another call, and it is David in Byram. Good morning, David. What do you have for us? Good morning. I got an almanac, and according to this, IGFA all tackle war records up to 1997. Yeah, white crappie, five pounds, three ounce, called it Dam, Mississippi, July 31st, 1957, by Fred L. Wright. Okay. I'm looking Blue at... Hill. The bluegills, 4 pounds, 12 ounces, Katona Lake, Alabama, April 9th, 1950, by T.S. Hudson. I just thought I'd throw that in. Okay, so what did you say with the bluegill? That's four point. Uh, okay, now, now is this world records or state of Mississippi right. records? Okay, okay, yeah, well, the records that I was giving earlier, these are the ones that are Mississippi records, which are posted, okay. on, our, posted on our website. That white crappie, that is... Damn, yeah, we, we we have the we have the world record on that one. We're we're proud of that one. That's been for a long time. <laughs> it too, has. Yeah. All right, David. Uh, thanks for calling in. Uh, I guess that's part of it. You know, if, if you you catch something like that, you're certainly proud. And, and uh, you say it's something to be uh, to certainly note out that we we've got some world records there as well. Uh, we talked about equipment, uh, Jerry. What about uh, bait? Well, again. Uh, what you're going after, what type of fish, whether it's catfish, brim, or, or bass, uh, the type of lures, whether you want to use live bait or artificial. So, again, you know, you're about the kids. You can't beat crickets and worms to take kids. So brim, brim and catfish usually like those. People that are bass fishing this time of year, the, the bass are in a summer pattern, which means they, kind of like us, the water's getting hot, so they look for a cool place to go, and they usually go deep. So they'll go to the uh, hang-on ledges and creek channels as deep as they can go and stay in, co- in cool water, especially during the heat of the day. You can you can fish early in the morning or really late in the evening. They tend to feed more and may move up to shallower water. Brim fishing, you can find when they're bedding, uh, you always want to find like some, some gravel areas where where the or sand where the where the bluegill are baiting at they they spawn several times a year and they can be a lot of fun especially with kids or adults to you know catch good numbers catfish uh, most anything will catch a catfish if it smells so i've seen i've seen hot dogs you, you can get regular what they call stink bait you can use cut bait uh, worms is very popular with catfish 
So I guess uh, different things would attract different uh, fish, but maybe color, scent, movement are all involved in, in bait that you use? That's correct. You know, um, some fish like catfish, scent, scent means a lot. Uh, and bass, it may be more reaction, opportunistic feed. If something goes by and they think looks like food, they're going to they're gonna eat it crappie uh, or often use uh, minnows or, you know, small shiners when they're fishing or jigs, which kind of imitate uh, some small fish or creature in the water. Okay. Got another caller on the line. Barry's called in today. Barry, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Yes, I was just, I heard your guest mention lower, the lower part of Mississippi, alligators. My wife and I were going along the trace, and we could see the Ross Ross Barnett Reservoir, and I noticed some people swimming. I think we thought we saw an alligator. Is there, are there alligators in the Ross Barnett Reservoir? There's quite a few alligators in Ross Barnett Reservoir. Yes, sir. We saw some people swimming, and then I told my wife, I said, I wonder if they would be swimming if they knew what we know, and they weren't that far from them. And I guess the other question is, uh, what happens when you're fishing if you hook a, 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 a gator? Well, except run. I mean, what do you do? Do you... Do you well, my, my, most of the time, based on my experience, when I run into that, it's usually fishing top water lures, and it's usually the smaller gators. Uh, you know, they're young, like less than two feet, and they're, they see a frog or anything going across the water, they think food. So naturally, I try to just reel on in and, and don't fish close to him. But usually when they get on the line with all the teeth, uh, if you're fishing anything other than braided line, they're going to they're gonna break the line before you get it, get it in the boat. So... Uh, if you hook one and get it to the boat, I would take some pliers and try to cut the line or pull the hook out, but I wouldn't try to mess with an alligator unless you're experienced and release it immediately. All right. Barry, thanks for the call, and I hope for those people were swimming in the opposite direction of where the, the gator was. So, um, Jerry, can you fish at night? You can. You can. Uh, fishing at night is very popular right now. Good way to beat the heat. Uh, catfish is really popular at nighttime. We see a I was fishing at one of our state lakes a few weeks ago, and there was more people putting in, and I was taking out, and that's what they were doing. They were going out trying to catch some catfish, usually around uh, the dam and deeper water. Uh, it can be a great time to fish. And some people like to fish for bass and crappie as well at nighttime. Uh, they use uh, for bass usually a dark, dark-colored dark lures, something that will show up good for the, for the fish. And uh, crappie, I've seen them hang lights. I've heard... People talk about hanging lights from tree limbs or under bridges, and it kind of attracts the bait fish, and the crappie follow them, and they, they catch them. Just take your bug spray. Yeah, and you probably need to check and be sure about that. There's certain lighting you're supposed to have if you're running yeah, your boat at night. That's right. That's and right. be sure and have your life jackets that's and correct. flotation. That's correct. There's two lights, main lights on the boat. The front one is a, a green and a red light on the front. And then there is an all-around white light on the on the back of the boat that you should use. All right, let's see if we can work one final call in. Stanley is on the line. Good morning, Stanley. Go ahead. Hi, I was uh, calling from Octavial County. Just wanted to get your opinion on what's going on with the Octavial County Lake, and uh, will they ever finish it? And will it ever be a productive lake again? I I do not have that information. You know, uh, we 
the Department of Wildlife Fisheries and Parks leased that lake for years and ran it as a, one of our state fishing lakes, but we no longer uh, lease that lake, so I really do not have uh, information. You may want to contact the county or the or the city, would that be the city of Starkville, um, and, and try to get an update on that fishery on that lake. All right, uh, thanks for the call. Jerry, got about a minute left. Uh, I understand that the season has just closed, but tell us about hand-grabbing catfish. Hand grabbing, well, it's it's an adrenaline rush, is what I would <laughs> I would refer to it. Uh, yeah, we have a season for that. It's May it's May the first through July fifteenth uh, each year annually, and you can catch what's popular is blue catfish and flathead catfish. But you you'll also catch some channel catfish or different things. But uh, this kind of coincides with the spawning season for catfish when they're they're moving, looking for spawn. They they they're cavity spawners so mm-hmm. they're looking to go inside something like a, a hole in a stream bank uh, within a hollow log or root and it's also popular at many reservoirs Ross Barnett is one where people make their own uh, containers basically out of wood and it, it's just a box it's, and it's got one open end and the fish go in and nest nest there so uh, it, it, yeah, you'll see the caller mentioned swimmers uh, during that time frame, you'll see people just waiting around at Ross Barnett, like groups of three or four people just waiting. What are they doing? Well, they're looking for their boxes or something to reach in and grab the fish. Though, Usually it's the male protecting the eggs there. All right. That's going to wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio. Today's show was produced by Java Chapman, and our call screener this morning was Michelle McAdoo. So for Libby Hartfield, Dr. Troy Major, and our guest Jerry Brown, I'm Kevin Farrell. Stay tuned up next. It's AutoCorrect with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.